This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Canada needs more pilots, but many are leaving for the United States. Dave Frank, Executive Director of the BC Aviation Council, helps us understand the life pilots lead, why they fly south for work, and why Canada is in desperate need of pilots. A lot of schools are doing great things to bring young pilots in, just not enough. The leaves are changing, so it's time for the fall edition of Game Showy Trivia. It's a game show on the radio and on the podcast, and we battle for pumpkin spice lattes, although Shane, that's me, I do it reluctantly. And are you okay with negotiating, and are you okay with snakes? All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Would you move away to get a job? I mean, I've done it, right? Like I've moved around and worked all over the country for radio jobs. That's pretty typical. Some careers, that's what you have to do. Pilots, I mean, the old storyline was that you had to be, you know, go fly as a bush pilot. In fact, if you really want to hear some really cool stories, there are a bunch of pilots that went up to places like Yellowknife and went up there to get there, build their hours, work as a bush pilot, and they just never came back because they loved it. Quality of life, type of flying, adventurous flying, real flying. And when I took my pilot's license, I was given a really great piece of advice. And it was Darren McIntosh who gave it to me. He was at the Calgary Flying Club at the time. And he said, you're just going to have to decide. Airplanes are like buses. Do you want to fly the bus? Or do you want to own the bus and sit in the back? And that's really all you have to decide. I could tell you this about aviation. Aviation is a career of service. You are in service to the people. It's a beautiful career. Airports are flipping addictive. Being around the people and the planes and the machinery and the coolness of it is so incredibly true. But pilots are leaving. Pilots are leaving to go other places to work. Dave Frank joins us. He's with the executive director of the BC Aviation Council on the West Coast. And uh, Dave, are we uh, are we draining? Are we running out in the in the bathtub of pilots? Well, we've got a real challenge, Shane. Uh, and not only are pilots leaving us for the United States, uh, the United States is is uh, their air carriers are going after our best and brightest pilots. Uh, so it's our experienced pilots. It's our pilots that are great at training. Because as you know, airlines do a lot of in-house training uh, constantly uh, of their flight crews. And uh, they're, they're also asking for pilots that have been involved in uh, community activities or, or other social things. So my, my fear is not just the drain to the United States, but who is going. Uh, I, I personally know some amazing uh pilots that are good friends of mine and uh, and and they've chosen to leave and it's it's a big loss for our industry uh and um and the role it plays in our economy and society well i'd like to add to that too that when you lose some of those more veteran pilots most pilots don't ever walk away from aviation right like if you're flying mainline commercial as your job and you're flying your schedule so you've worked your way up for those who don't know, and your schedule starts to open up. You start flying 
I don't know, Vancouver, New Delhi, right? Like, so you're, you're, you're in the plane for a day and then you rest for a day and then you're in the plane for a day and then you get a bunch of days off because you've worked so many hours in such compressed time or maybe you're going from, uh, you know, Canada to Germany and back. That's your, that's, your, that's your gig. You have a lot of time in between there as you become a veteran pilot and most pilots don't walk away from aviation. They have their own small planes. They're involved in their local flying clubs. So Dave, are we losing not only the pilots just based on demand, but are we losing the mentorship? Uh, not completely. Uh, just because somebody's been hired by a U.S. airline doesn't mean they're based in the United States. Uh, I know some that are now working for U.S. carriers that their their home base is in Canada or uh, they, they travel down uh, to the United States, uh, uh, put in their block hours, and then uh, and then come back home. Uh, it's uh, very easy to commute to work uh, when you work for an airline. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite amazing. I mean, the uh, the CEO of Pacific Coastal flies in from Powell River to uh, the South Terminal at YVR every single day to uh, uh, to run his airline it's uh, wow. it, it can be a very it's a very different uh, and exciting lifestyle it is I had a friend of mine um, he retired but he was flying biggies big big heavies um, 747s and all those but he was he worked for South Korean Airlines and mm-hmm. he lived in Calgary and he would fly down and and fly his butt off and he was basically doing Seoul Heathrow that was it and then he would fly back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it wasn't even part of his deal to get um, his deadhead pay or anything like that. He was just paying commercial because he could do it to fly back and forth. And he would fly to Seoul and then he would jump in his plane and fly back and forth. And it can be a good gig. You see a lot of the world. Well, the the way the compensation works is um, pilots put in 80 block hours a month, roughly. Uh, and a block hour is the time from when they pull back from the gate to when they pull up to the gate. So if you're doing, if you're in big iron flying those long haul flights, you can get those 80 hours pretty quick and then you're, you're basically done for the month. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, that could be four long haul flights really. And, um, there and back and you're done. So Dave, we are seeing pilots leave. I mean, this was sort of an undertone to the recent WestJet strike threat was they wanted pay and they wanted to adjust things. But the notion was, is not only do we want pay equity in Canada, inflation, cost of living, and all normal things that we would go through with our jobs, but they were looking to have a reason to not be tempted to go to the States. And as the air carrier, you would think, aside from the economics and sustainability of it, you would think they would want that too, wouldn't they? Oh, very much so. Um, the, uh, but they're offered a choice. Uh, not all U.S. carriers are the same. Uh, some are exceptional uh, and and are very attractive to pilots. Uh, Delta I- Airlines has been very successful um, recruiting people uh, at, at as much as 35% higher than what they could get in Canada. But it's not mm. it's not all about the wages. It's about the the position and the respect that the they get in the carrier. Like, you know, how involved are they in training if they love training? Uh, uh, what's their seniority when it comes to route selection? Uh, the, the overall corporate culture. So um, money opens the door, uh, but uh, it, it, 
it's really a lot of the softer things that uh, the sharp U.S. air carriers are offering to Canadian pilots uh, that is uh, is causing the drain. I I know here in Richmond uh, a very small boutique law firm that deals with immigration and immigration, and they, uh, as of two months ago, had helped facilitate 165 quality pilots going down to the United States. That's just one small boutique firm. And speaking with them, uh, there's an imbalance. It is extremely easy to get skilled aviation people into the United States. It is still quite difficult, despite the Canadian government's um, uh, view to the contrary, it is quite difficult for Canadian air carriers to recruit from other countries uh, or or vice versa, make something attractive for someone from the United States. So we're, we're a little bit, it's, it's, it's more of a one-way flow, probably a 10 to 1 flow, when if the landscape and the regulations, the immigration uh, landscape was the same for both countries, uh, we, we might not be facing so much of a one-way drain. Well, would I guess, I mean, access to aircraft, if you want to fly different aircraft, there's uh, that with those big air carriers. I mean, WestJet has about 100, 110 airplanes, I believe. I mean, Air Canada has like 100, like big ones, <laughs> not just 100 planes. Um, and uh, But then down in the States, I mean, I, I didn't even get a chance to look up how many airplanes American has. What's Who's the biggest air carrier down there? Is it American? Well, it depends how you measure it, Shane. Um, okay. Uh, probably Southwest. Southwest moves more passengers in a day than mm. than anyone else. Um, uh, so, uh, whereas you, you get into complications with the other carriers because they're flying fewer passengers, but flying them further on average. But your right. United, your Delta, your American Airlines, uh, your Southwest Airlines are kind of the big boys and girls. And then your uh, some niche carriers, like I was very impressed with JetBlue and I flew them Vancouver to Boston uh, nonstop. Uh, they've been carving out niches and, and, uh, and they've been growing rapidly as second tier carriers down there. Yeah, and um, so I just I give it a quick Google while you're sharing that story, Dave. And um, the biggies like Delta American, they're over 900, and then you have Southwest is almost 800 aircraft. Compare that to WestJet at 111, according to Google. So I mean, that's the difference of opportunity inside the airline, let alone routes, let alone all of those things that come in there. You just acknowledged um, JetBlue. I I'm a, always been a WestJet person. I worked there for a time, and I love WestJet. I love what they're up to even with the new purchases and changes, I do need to acknowledge Porter. Porter in Canada, boy, oh boy, we've had them on here. Um, we've had Michael Dulles on here and and they, like, boy, they're doing good things at Porter. And um, I my experience on Porter was as good as WestJet's. And you know my love affair for WestJet. And for me to say that I am 100% in with Porter like I am with WestJet, that's that's a big statement from, from me. That's how much I love WestJet. At the risk of sounding, we're in the pocket of Porter. Uh, I totally agree with you. Um, and uh, back in September, they started training 200 pilots for their Embraer 195E2 jets uh, mm -hmm. because they were launching that jet service um, uh, shortly after September. But uh, uh, they recruited and trained uh, 200 pilots and 
as I told my senior year air transportation class at UBC, you know, watch Porter. Uh, they mm -hmm. are going to disrupt this industry like you wouldn't believe. Do not assume they're going to be a hub and spoke carrier out of Toronto. Uh, no. they, they've got the right carrier, uh, the, the right hardware, the right attitude. Um, they could build a point-to-point -point network uh, that can go head-to-head -head with WestJet and Air Canada uh, without a problem. They're, they're already at five non-stops a day between Toronto and Vancouver and one non-stop between Ottawa and Vancouver. And, yeah. and they haven't even had their first anniversary yet. Yeah. I, uh, in Edmonton, they're going to Edmonton, Ottawa. I mean, those are those are stranger routes, right? I mean, I said to Michael Deleuze, I said, I mean, you got to get, please get me Ottawa because I spent so much time in Ottawa. Uh, get me Ottawa, please. And he promised me, he said, the first flight to Ottawa, I will get you on it. We will do it direct. Um, but I'm flying them Friday next week. I'm I'm I chose Porter, and then I'm in Vancouver the uh, in October. I'm going WestJet, right? Like the the level of customer service and quality that you get, even though they do it differently is very much similar. And I think that that's good news for Canadians. And I love that. Um, Dave Frank is here. We're talking about aviation. We're talking about pilots leaving actually is the, the core of the conversation. But with pilots leaving, pilots are learning, Dave. The BC Aviation Council, you guys do some great things. Can we talk about the young folks that are trying to get into this and get into this career? Do we have enough of them? We definitely do not have enough. Uh, and it's not just pilots, it's, it's, uh, maintenance engineers, it's ramp hands like your son, uh, it's customer service agents, uh, it's, it's business people. Um, aviation over the last couple decades has lost some of its sex appeal and it's, uh, it, it has got, we have got lazy on, on putting our, our best foot forward to kids in kindergarten to grade five and and looking at what they want to do after high school and 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 presenting to them that aviation and aerospace is is such an amazing career uh and i'm very passionate about it because people in aviation generally choose to go into aviation they don't, they don't fall into it. You might accidentally after university end up being a banker or an insurance agent or whatever, but people generally go after careers in aviation and aerospace. And we've got to crank up our, our messaging to those young folks uh, because the, the baby boomer bubble has passed us. So we're losing a lot. We, we're losing a lot of pilots from that. We've got the drain to the United States, uh, and and it's causing serious consternation through the entire industry. Let let me expand on that a bit. The Air Canada's and WestJets are losing pilots to the United States, and there were also changes in in uh, uh, duty hours uh, regulations, which caused them to have to hire a bunch of extra pilots. They hired those from their regional carriers, from Encore and Jazz. Encore and Jazz, Jazz then went after the smaller independent regional carriers and took all their people, who then took them from the smaller air taxi companies and the like, who then took the flight instructors from the 37 schools. flight schools in British Columbia. So now it, it's rippled all down. So we have a shortage of flight instructors and, and we need to train 
more pilots than ever before. Uh, and, yeah. and so it's, it's a very dynamic market and, and what you'll, who's really hurting are the communities served by jazz and WestJet Encore, the Prince mm-hmm. George's of the world, the Nanaimo's, the Charlottetown's, the uh, Grand Prairie's, uh, because they are, they are having such a tough time staffing their flights. Uh, they, they, even if the demand is there, they, they, they cannot crew hardware to serve that demand uh, like they normally would. Uh, perversely, this is also leading to record profits for the air carriers. Air Canada just had record profits. It's because they couldn't completely fill demand uh, or um, and with their supply. So, of course, basic economics 101, the price of airfares goes up and yeah. profits go up. So there's a lot changing in the industry, and it's not going to go away. It's going to be like this for five to ten years until we get the the next generation um, back into believing in having aviation and aerospace as a career. Yeah, and I, well, it's probably a conversation for next time, Dave, but I'll just even say that because I've heard people say, well, drones are the future and all this automation, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, it, it might be. But the reality is, is who do you think they're going to hire first if you're going to be flying drones somewhere? Some guy who's already flown the plane or some guy who's just coming out of high school? So, I mean, you have a very long-term sustainable future here. And the number I was given was nine months, by the way. My buddy Jamie, who owns a, a flight school, he said, um, if I can keep an instructor for nine months... I'm gold, That's, but he uh, has to have enough students coming through to f- fill those instructor spots, right? Well, the, there's uh, there's a lot of students going through, and we need to start treating flight schools as the institutions of higher education that they are, um, mm-hmm. and and they are also in smaller communities. Vanderhoof has a very active flight school. Um, so they're out in remote and, and rural communities. They're institutions of higher learning. Uh, they are a major um, economic uh, education export product uh, to other countries. English is the international language of aviation. So you, you get a, a lot of pilots where English is not the first language. A lot of students coming to both learn English and to become skilled pilots. And we have to make it easy for those international students to stay in Canada and become flight instructors and work their way up the chain till they eventually work for Air Canada and uh, and WestJet. Well, at 45 to 55 years old, after 20 years careers, um, the guys who even don't want to and put it off as long as they can just imagine that at 45 years old, um, flying heavies to, you know, Calgary, Amsterdam, because you're flying 787 Dreamliners, um, which is a big pay bump. And, you know, and that's at 45. And if you compare that to, and, and a lot of those guys are doing it by 40 to 45. And if you, um, if you look at other careers, where, what, tell me a career where you can get a 35 to $60,000 pay bump just by changing the mechanism that you work. Um, and, and that's the kind of the basis of going from a 737 to a 787 is 
retraining on the same job. It's just a bigger machine and you're flying longer distances and that's a massive pay increase. There aren't many careers out there that can offer that kind of stepping stone inside the company, inside the career, and maybe inside even your own union if you're a union guy. It happens even lower down in the food chain, uh, that, that big jump you're talking about, like the, the turboprop Q400s uh, going up to the 737s or uh, into the Embraer 195s that Porter is flying. You know, that's mm-hmm. a big jump too. So uh, the, these pilots, they, they put in their time, they've done their dues, uh, but the reward is down the road are just as you say, uh, substantial pay bumps as they move up the, the hardware chain, but they don't all move up the hardware chain. Um, uh, with COVID, you know, 85% of our business disappeared with COVID. So, mm-hmm. you know, pilots were, were laid off and, um, uh, they didn't take early retirement. Uh, they came back. Uh, most of them. And some of them realized, well, I can financially retire, but you know what I miss? I miss flying a float plane. Mm. So there are 787 Air Canada captains that are now having the time of them their life as senior pilots for float plane operators. Uh, so it's, my main message is it's, it's a very dynamic industry. Uh, there are uh, incredibly human, incredible human resource pressures on it right now. They're not going to go away. In fact, they're going to get worse because as the international carriers out of out of China recover and the like, they're going to start poaching from Air Canada and WestJet as well, not just the U.S. air carriers. So we we have wow. to really focus on our education programs, our are exposing our youth to this industry and uh, beefing up our scholarship and student aid funding. Uh, We need to take some long-term thinking to fix this. And as I say, it's going to take five to 10 years. Uh, Dave is the executive director um, at the BC Aviation Council. This is probably for another day. Let's pin this, but I want to bring it up to acknowledge it because it is a question of mine. The unions, though, while representing pilots and equity and pay and all the things, the duty time is a big one for pilots and unions. Um, and that's where it's important. At the same time, though, because of some of the unions, you can have a very experienced pilot that can't step in um, to that captain chair uh, because just of union rules. And so that can be a bit of an inhibiting factor as I have a friend of mine that's flown charter for 25 years. And was considering going mainline just for a steadier schedule as opposed to the on-call schedule and the pay cut because of he had to do entry level a first officer based on union rules, not on hours. Um, so touch on that quickly and we'll pin that for our next conversation, Dave. And, um, but I did want to acknowledge that part. That, that really happened when there was the rash of mergers or if somebody's moving from one carrier to another carrier, uh, they, um, uh, there, there were phenomenal battles over seniority and seniority rights when, uh, when Canadian airlines was bought out and, uh, it, it, it was quite a mess. Uh, it, it made a lot of lawyers rich, uh, in arbitration cases and, uh, and in courts, 
it's it's not as bad a situation now, uh, but uh, because there's so much demand for pilots. But uh, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of nuances out there. A lot of nuances, and I get that part of it. They've got to be protected. But why would you move from your Canada private charter? to go to the bottom of the list in Canada when you have more opportunity and flexibility in the States and probably more pay anyway. So um, this is great conversation. I'll put the link for the BC Aviation Council at shiftheads.ca on the Facebook group. You can say hi to Dave and the gang there. Uh, Thanks for being here, brother. Really appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. And I love your passion for aviation. Keep it up. This is the Shift Podcast. It's time for Game Showy. It's a game show on the radio. We've come together to battle it out over a change of seasons. Kelsey Campbell is back, refreshed, with her warm socks and sweater on, leading into fall. Here's your host, Ryan O'Donnell. Oh, thanks, Bob. I could not be happier to be hosting Game Showy right now. Summer is dead. Fall is alive. I am thrilled. I Yeah, no, I did not enjoy summer this year. This season fried me. I felt sticky and sweaty and overwhelmed every day. No longer. The coats are out. The sweaters are here. The warm coffee has replaced the iced coffee. And, um... Even if you're not in on it, I'm going to kind of hopefully get you in the mood for it with Game Showy because I've got some pretty interesting questions about the season and the things that go with it. So here's how this game works if you're new or you need a little refresher. Our contestants pick a question and difficulty of said question. Now today we're playing for something that makes total sense as we're marking the start of fall. The true start of fall is not Monday Night Football in the NFL or anything like that. It's actually the pumpkin spice latte. So yes, one pumpkin spice you. latte is an easy question, and oh three is hard. Oh, now, Ryan, I'm just stoked. Yeah. I was like sitting here just wanting to say hashtag PSL the entire time. Yes. So the idea yes. that we're playing PSL. for pumpkin spice lattes. Oh my god! Hashtag PSL. Never tis the season. Oh god! <laughs> it is the season. I have it never is. wanted you're to gonna lose love. game showy before. Until now. Until now. You're going to love these sound effects, Kelsey. Uh, Because when we get the question right, we hear this. The irresistible nutmeggy sweetness of the pumpkin spice latte. The pumpkin spice latte. The nutmeggy sweetness of the pumpkin spice latte. However, if you get it wrong, you'll hear this. Learn to make a pumpkin spice latte, you psychopath. Mm. Learn. Mm. Okay. Now, uh, we've got three categories to choose from. from me at a Starbucks? (laughs) <laughs> I hope not. That might have been oh, me I last season. Although I would have <laughs> yeah. to say that how many times have you gone to get your Starbucks and they have called you Chelsea? 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 Get your yeah, drink ready. I get Brian a lot. Mm. Yeah. Do you get Brian a lot? Yeah. I yeah. get Brian a lot. Way too much. You know what I get? Um, I get to keep well, yeah, $8 wait, in my bank get? account because I don't go oh. there. Mm. Oh, here we go. Fine. Not uh, the yeah. not the time. Not the time <laughs> we on. are celebrating this season of we're hashtag we're PSL. Happy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are Come on, really? Gene. There's, there's questions for you in here that are above okay. the pumpkin spice latte. Okay. Okay. 
We've got three right. categories to choose from. So I think you're going to find something you like here. First off, we have falling for you, Aww. Aww. which is just questions Aww. about fall. Then we have the harvest, oh. <laughs> all about farming, which is, you know, like the really important thing that's happening right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, why so spooky? Why is this fall season so spooky? We also have a very special question. It's the text line special. It's a listen. It's a questioner. Wow. It's a question for the shift heads and the shift heads alone. I need a pumpkin Mm -hmm. spice latte. It's hidden in this show. And when the contestant stumbles across it, they will win one pumpkin spice latte. We'll know we have the question when we hear this. Doesn't that just be going to dance with a coffee in hand? Ah. So there you go. Now, here's the question, my friends. 877-399-9898, Shift Heads. Get your phones ready. If you can text in, we'd love to hear from you. The question is this. What is the most grown crop in Canada? Is it corn, wheat, barley, or canola? Again, the most grown crop in Canada. Is it corn, wheat, barley, or canola? Text in your answer, 877-399-9898. Those are the rules for Game Showy. Let's get this uh, Game Showy going. Yep. Okay, let's get this Game <laughs> Showy, Showy going. going. Yeah. It's time to battle it out for pumpkin spice lattes. Yes. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> Bob? Thanks, Bob. Uh, Shane won last week against Danny, filling in, who did an yeah. amazing job, by the way. Danny Danny was great. And, and she, yeah, she killed it. Uh, but Shane did take the W. And so, Kelsey, you get to go first as Shane is coming off a win. I really questioned Danny's approach when she's like, I don't know, one feels good. I'm like, where's her teeth? She took her teeth out before she played the game. (laughs) Okay, well, my teeth are in. And uh, yeah, I like like falling for you. I'll go for three. Hashtag PSLs, please. Okay, let's do it. Okay. (laughs) The day that I say that, just by accident, I'm going to call you and just all you're going to hear on the phone is, ah! And then I'm going to hang up. He did it. He did it. Uh, I'm waiting. I'm very excited for that. Uh, okay, Kelsey, here is the question. Three pumpkin spice lattes. What are the three fall zodiac signs? Leo, Leo, Aquarius, Scorpio, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, or Aries, Libra, and Virgo? Okay. Sister is Aries. She's March. My mom is uh, Leo, August baby. So this is a good automatically, we got to go uh, B, column B. <laughs> yeah. All the ones Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius. Is that your final yeah. answer? Yeah, that's it. That that's is, the one. That is the one. That's correct. Yes, you got it. The irresistible nutmeggy sweetness of the pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> Nailed it. Order placed. Uh, yeah, those are the, the signs. I'm a Scorpio. I've never really cared about the zodiac signs. I got to be honest. There have been times where I've read a horoscope and I've went, oh, yeah, that's that's happening right now. But most of the time, it's just kind of like a fun thing you read in a newspaper. I, I never really quite got the my life 
is guided by these. But some people, and well, either of you, are you? We only this? like that when it fits and it's convenient, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if they're a jerk and they have a birthday in November, you're like <laughs> Scorpio, right? One of one of my yeah. best friends is taking courses in it in astrology, and oh. whenever I'm like, yeah, I had I had this moment, like any personal relationships in my life, and she's like, sorry, so what? What's their sign? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's because the moon is in <laughs> yeah. Taurus, and yeah. so whatever it might be, and she's like, yeah, Gemini's are they're having a rough go this month, and mm. so she can make sense of any issues in anyone's life at any time with uh, our signs. Mm. Money well spent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people get know. a lot out of it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. I yeah, I haven't unlocked that part of my brain yet. But Shane, have you unlocked <laughs> the ability to have a pumpkin spice latte? Because it's your not turn. Sure. Probably because it's not mm. part of your brain. Um, the I'm oh well, I was gonna go for the, okay. Uh, well, I'll go with the harvest because <laughs> who knows? The harvest. Okay, I love this question. I learned I, I learned a lot about this corn and this question. Okay, so every single corn on the cob mm. has one thing in common. Mm -hmm. Delicious. But also even. Every corn will always have an even row of corn on each cob. So it's never odd. It's always even. But mm -hmm. how many kernels does the average corn have? Is it above or under 600? Well... I, I, come on. Yeah, I, the wow. corn that I just so picked out of my garden today and then had for supper, the one cob had 17 <laughs> on the whole cob. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, I should be, uh, uh, the, just to clarify, this is the ear of corn, which is the husk of corn. So it's mm. that whole thing. Like the whole thing, the right? The ear like comes the... from a Greek word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's just what I meant. Like at my, for me, like the, the mm -hmm. whole thing was like, it was, it looked like, um, um, it, well, it looked like some, somebody who's missing teeth. That's what my corn on the cob looked like. Anyway. Like Danny Stover. All right. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't get it. She doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't look like Mater from Cars. <laughs> That's what I'm I feel like. I'm taking the teeth thing too far. I yeah, just it's... like, she wasn't particularly vicious and now. I'm just yeah. describing this horrible, yeah, horrible toothless situation. Person she from has your teeth. No, she should clarify. Beautiful smile. <laughs> should clarify beautiful that. smile. All, yeah. So many teeth. <laughs> All the teeth, I would think. Most of them, anyway. Okay. Uh, okay. Anyway, the question was, how many, is it above or what? Is it above or under 600 on an average 600. husk of corn? Let's throw a 10, timer on this 20, guy. 30, 40. I, it's got, I would say under, I guess, because mm -hmm. mine had 17. Yeah. <laughs> Yours was deformed and and wrong because it's Why not so under 600. Learn to make a pumpkin spice latte, you psychopath. I learned to grow a corn it's on 800. the 800. 800. 800 is the not average on a Canadian How do I thing steal? of corn. I have another question for you, Kelsey, that's okay. food related. So there's Oof. your steal, but you have to answer Easy. quick. How it many pies Scorpio. can a... Yeah, Okay. Don't worry, it's not corn related. How many pies can a bushel of apples make? Is it above or under 20? I don't know what a bushel is. I don't know how many that is. Mm. A lot. All oh. oh, over. More. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, there's a question here. Okay, well, uh, that is technically an answer. And 
The correct answer is 21 on average, so you are technically correct. Congratulations, nailed it. That's a bushel. I don't actually know what a bushel is. Like, how many apples? It's yeah, like it's an average of like what a basket. Yeah, yeah. So is that 30 apples or 300 apples? Let me get the exact number. How big are these apples? To break it down, a bushel of apples is 48 pounds. And if you ate an apple a day, that you keep the dentist away, and you'd be fine from the earlier mm-hmm. <laughs> issue. Yeah, right. we have great dental plans here at Chorus. We really do. Mm. I just want to make that really clear. We also have a great mental health plan. It <laughs> comes in handy some days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that went into my category. Those were not my points, Ryan. I don't. Mm-hmm. No, Kelsey's now up six nothing, and it's her turn. Oof. Oh okay. He doesn't even like Kelsey. hashtag PSLs, so this is exactly where no. they all belong. It just this makes me think of pistol. Yeah. Who okay. wants to drink a pistol? <laughs> it sounds like a pilsner. <laughs> just think of it as a pilsner. <laughs> Who wants to drink a pilsner? Not very many. Yeah. <laughs> I like and those are fighting words in the beer I community. I saw a pumpkin spiced beer the other day. Like a craft dessert beer, and oh. I yeah, apparently, apparently I didn't try it. Apparently, it was pretty good, but mm. I don't know if dessert belongs in beer. I don't think it does. No, no. Hmm. I, I don't know how different that would be from like a ginger beer. That sounds like a nice time. Mm. Like I'm no, I'm never gonna try it, but it sounds like a nice <laughs> yeah. time for somebody yeah. else. <laughs> it's fine for them to make it, but I don't need it, right? Yeah, yeah no, like the concept. Yeah. Good work. Um, okay, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit nervous to go into the category of why so spooky because I am definitely mm. the biggest wimp on the planet and I don't watch horror movies. Um, yes. But I want to I stay thirsty here. So uh, three <laughs> pumpkin spice lattes. Oh, why so spooky? Or should I say, woo? Okay. Uh, uh, this October, something really cool is going to happen. There's going to be a Friday the 13th in October. Now, It's the most feared day on the planet. It's a simple superstition. 13 is unlucky. But who first came up with the idea of the number 13 being an unlucky number? Was it the Chinese, Christians, Vikings, or Americans? I'm pretty sure that it's common knowledge that there's no floor 13, right? In all of Asia. Like that's, I think that's the thing in hotels. And also outside of Asia. Too. You're asking questions. You're supposed to give answers there, kid. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel mm. like very confident about China. Very, very China. confident about China. <laughs> China is a very, very superstitious country. They put a, a like numbers and, and my mom used to work for a Chinese company and I learned so much about the superstitions they have, but they weren't the first to come up with 13. Nope. Something earlier. That's incorrect. Learn to make a pumpkin spice latte, you psychopath. Yeah, you psychopath. Shane. Mm. Five seconds to steal, buddy. Do you know it? Uh, Americans would sell the number 13. Christians would make you feel bad for saying 13, so I got to go with Vikings. <laughs> oh, that was a little smeal. Right on time. Uh, ding, ding, ding. I mean, uh, correct. It was the Vikings. Yes, the Vikings. Nutmeggy sweetness of the pumpkin spice latte. Nice. So here's the story. In Norse mythology, you know, we know Zeus, uh, not Zeus, sorry, uh, Odin and all that. The trickster god Loki was not invited to a dinner table with 12 gods, and he arrives as the 13th guest. 
but he was brought there to shoot Balder with a mistletoe-taped arrow. Balder died, and the whole earth went dark. The whole earth mourned. It was a bad, unlucky day. That is considered to be the first written example of people being afraid of the number 13. Hmm. How about that? And does, does everyone on this... Uh... On this call here, uh, we know who Balder is. Like, this is all familiar names that we're throwing around. Oh, here. God, no. We just nod and sound like we do. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yes, Loki, yes, though, yes. Balder, Odin. of course. Yeah. So I understand if you played God of War, you'd know Balder. Odin was Garfield's dog. Odie. Oh. It's close, though, right? Yep. That's that was yeah, an we'll, answer. We'll that certainly it. was an answer. Um, <laughs> it certainly okay. was an answer. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, whose turn is it? It's Shane's, my turn. Shane's turn. It yeah, I just Shane's scooped turn. up three there. Uh, six to three here did. on the shift. Falling for you, the harvester. Why so spooky? I'm going to go with the harvest spooky. again for uh, mm-hmm. dose burfina cups. Uh, oh, two pumpkin spice no, lattes. You got for. it. Uncalled for. That ruins the mood. This is a happy time. (laughs) I know. Yeah, I'm really Mm -hmm. craving one. I gotta tell you, I'm gonna make a pumpkin pie this weekend. Mm, I love pumpkin pie. Uh, True or false, Shane? Cranberries are grown in water. Uh, That would be false. They're grown in a bog, but they're flooded, so they float, and then they can get them off the whatever they grow on. I don't know what they grow on, but I know that they're flooded. They grow on vines, and you are absolutely correct. Everything you said, yes. I saw a bog, a cranberry bog, a farm on my way through Wisconsin. Oh, cool. Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was drinking the oh, worst Wisconsin. coffee in the world, eh? It's terrible. Oh, yeah, bud. I feel like Jono's probably seen a fair bit of uh, flooded cranberry fields. Very, very common, really cool site in the fall in the lower mainland, um, in like in the Abbotsford area. And yeah, yeah you can really? just yeah, fields near, near Richmond. fields of near Which richmond man? yeah there's a big yeah. bog field filled with water and they have all the cranberries floating in richmond oh, ocean spray they have all the guys like with the hip waders and stuff hey yeah. we're out of time we gotta hurry up yeah. here and um uh i can't win so shall we just grab the um text line special so we can finish let's that do way? it let's do it well then hit no, it i want it i want a choice oh. i want to choose it okay so Okay. I don't know which one it. it is, though. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Whatever one it is. <laughs> oh, look at that. You stumbled on the text line special. Whoa. Okay. So the question is, what is the most harvested crop in Canada? Is it corn, wheat, barley, or canola? And we got an absurd amount of texts, but Marijuana. only for three of those options. Corn, wheat, and Kelowna. Kelowna. <laughs> Canola, not Kelowna. <laughs> oh that's, that's, uh, that was a, unintentional. Anyway, um, it came down to two. Now, uh, my guess is, like, guesses from, like, Ernie and Suri. Canola. Uh, we also got Ian from Abbotsford. Canola. Jason from Prince Albert says wheat, though. Iran from Calgary. Canola. And it is between the two. But wheat production was 33.8 million tons in 2022, which is mm. 51.7% of our entire harvest. Canola right behind it at 32%. So, uh, yeah, wheat. Hey, fun fact, is a, big crop. a lot of wheat fields in Kelowna, B.C. Really? Oh, that's I would not have guessed that. No. Are there Kelowna fields in Kelowna? 
growing Kelowna? Mm. Could, yeah. I would no. like to acknowledge Paul B. from The Hammer, and he says the largest crop is holy cannoli, which I thought was pretty holy creative. Holy cannoli. Yeah. Well done. All right. Well, um... Wait, do we win? Do I win? Did I, did yeah, you won. Do the listeners yep. win? Did yes. we get a... Uh, the okay. listeners... Yeah, the, the listeners did not win, but you won because you had enough points to be saved. Latte, you psychopath. See, there you go. Yeah. I'm not sure the shift heads benefited at all from this game, Shelly. <laughs> but hey, we did learn that you can grow canola and Kelowna if you try hard enough. Congratulations on her big return. Kelsey Campbell takes the title with a near runaway until she tripped and fell and spilled her latte. But she still won. <laughs> Remember, parents, don't feed your kids pumpkin spice lattes. They'll grow up to be weird. Anyway, Kelsey, thank you so much for being here and coming back and uh, and not forgetting about it us with your again. busy social calendar. I do want to clarify, I really like Danny Stover. I think she's got a beautiful smile. I think it's important to say that. <laughs> Sucking up. <laughs> you can listen to Danny Stover in the evenings in Toronto on 640. Does a great show. And if you get all, the Radio Player Canada app, you can, um, yeah, all through Ontario. You can um, also listen on the Radio Player Canada app, nice and easy, if you go to shiftheads.ca and get it. Thanks, Kels. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with? 877-399-9898. That's our phone number for you to call. If you ever forget that, it's at shiftheads.ca. You can one-touch text and dial from your smartphone right there on the page. Some stories to make you ponder. Are you okay with? Negotiating. That's mm. hard. It's tough because it's kind of like there's a bit of a high to it. You know, there's like if the negotiations are short and they go well, it's cool. Most people come out on top, you know, win, 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 lose, that kind of stuff. But if it drags on and on and on and on uh, and it gets hostile, like uh, with like really bad, like vulgar language and just like really intense, then you lose me. But if you can work, you know, with someone, but I guess it really depends on who you're negotiating with over what. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we often devalue things. One of the, my favorite things to happen on selling stuff on Marketplace is I'll have a, say it's a vacuum, my old vacuum. I've got a vacuum here for sale. hundred bucks. And somebody will yep. say, will you take 50? Like, no, thank you. Will you take 60? No, thank you. I don't, I don't offer back with a low ball. First of all, I don't accept low ball anything. If someone says, well, you take 80, can we meet in the middle at 90? But then someone will say, well, it's a 40 minute drive for me to come to your place to get it. So can you give me a discount? And the perspective they take is only their perspective. Like it's, well, it's more work for me to come buy this from you. And that's where we lose things in negotiation because it doesn't change the value of my vacuum because you chose to live far away. It changes the demand, but it doesn't change the value of my vacuum. So we lose that perspective thinking mm -hmm. that the other person's needs are, are our own. I have a vacuum for sale for $100, new scenario. Will you take 50? No, thank you. 
well, I'm working on a budget. So am I. No, thank you. The buyer thinks they're the only one that's working on a budget, right? There's a chances are the person's selling stuff for a reason. And we don't think of that. When we negotiate for work, we often think about hours worked, not value worked, right? Your value changes. Negotiate on value of what you contribute, not necessarily the hours that you work. I mean, standard jobs work 40 hours a week, da, 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 da. Yes, the, the agreement breaks down to a wage of how it's broken, but your value on that, what value do you bring to the table is different. So those are all things to keep in mind. And hmm. if you're attached to the outcome, you're not going to negotiate well. It's just that simple. If you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I got to win this, I got to win this, you're going to get all caught up and it's more like gambling than it is negotiating. That's, uh, that's How many people try to win you over by being... I'll give you, if they're $100 vacuum, I'll give you $50 cash. They, oh, that's a good people one. People try to leverage cash. Cash. It's like, I, I don't care. <laughs> I, I, don't, well, I don't want cash. To that one, I, I have fun transfer. with it. I reply back and they'll be like, they'll be like, I'll give you $50 cash. And so I reply back and I'll say, thank you. Will you be transferring me the other $50? Ooh, that's <laughs> like a little, that uh, a little yeah. spicy, a little it's saucy. Spicy. I like that. That's and there's some people that that's will say $100 vacuum scenario. They will say, I'll give you 50 bucks. I'll come right now. Like, okay. I, the price still doesn't change whether you, you can, you're, you're clearly free. So you have more need than me. So when people go and they say like, I'll come right now, I can come, can I come get it right now? I'll give you the money right now. So they think you're looking for a quick, quick turn, quick sale, like, oh, I'm done with it, quick sale. But what they're actually doing is they're showing their need for it. So yeah. it backfires, right? I've had people, I had a lady the other day, she bought some stuff off me here. Uh, it was, I think I was asking for $40. She said, uh, can I give you 20? And I said, no, thank you. And then um, I said, I'm more comfortable at 30. Have a nice evening. And she replied back, sounds good. Are you free tomorrow at three? <laughs> right? Like, just be nice. Yeah. And sometimes people, they, they, yeah. like, they'll they shoot their shot. Yeah. Let them do their thing, right? They're looking for a deal. Yeah, that's fine. Right? But not everybody's looking to sell for a deal. Anyway, negotiating. They're key. You got to do it. And we actually negotiate always. We are always negotiating. We negotiate traffic. We negotiate with our family and friends. What do you want for supper? I don't know. What do you want? You know, will you make your bed after school? Do your homework. We're constantly negotiating. We just don't realize we're negotiating. We hash out complex political things in negotiation. We hash out our dinner in negotiation. Chores. What do you want to do today? Hobbies. Where do you want to live when we retire? And then there's negotiating that involves the hard stuff. Divorce, custody of children. This custody battle, though, is not normal because it's over a cat. 2013 that the tuxedo cat got away from his registered owner, Carol Holmes, and found his way onto the property of Alexandra Strait. Strait took him in, renamed him Maui, and has cared for him ever since, even bringing the cat with her when she moved across the country here to Fuquay, Verena. Then last month, the cat was brought to Five Points Animal Hospital after being found wandering outside. That's when the cat was scanned for a microchip and vets learned that he was registered to Holmes in Kansas. After putting the cat in protective custody while an investigation into the rightful owner was done, the Wake County Animal Center and the county attorney's office said on Monday that the cat will be returned to Holmes in Kansas. In a statement, a representative for the animal center said Holmes is the only registered owner of the cat, and because she did not willingly abandon him, then she is entitled to have him back. How about that? 
Yeah. It's interesting, uh, eh? I, I agree with the final decision. That owner, original owner, the cat ran away. She was the rightful owner. And then circumstance, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but that cat is still technically yours. You know, it never stopped being her cat. Okay, but... Legally, at least. I get that. If you lose money and you find money, you turn it into the police and then there's a timeline on it that says if nobody claims it in, say, 30 days or whatever, six months, you can have the money back. Finders keepers. But she never tried to find the original owner. She didn't even know the cat was microchipped. She didn't try. She just took the cat. Well, no, I get that. I think that that's, I think that's the mistake, right? Like if she had found, gone to a vet mm-hmm. or whatever and tried to find it. Um, I know that some of our shift heads love cats and I think that's lovely. <laughs> if it was, a, it, it doesn't matter if it was a dog in this situation, a parrot, um, a lizard or a snake, like whatever, just like a okay, pet. Final saying, lost, you could get cats for free always, anytime. Most people don't give away dogs. <laughs> I was offered a cat yesterday. My roommate's like, hey, Ryan, do you, you want to get a cat? I'm like, no, I don't. I don't. Do you want to take care of a cat? I don't at all. He's like, oh, okay. Well, my friend just had a litter. I'm like, oh, great. How many? Oh, there's six. Oh, gr- cool. Well, no, I'm sorry. Not here. Hmm. Anyway, that story was from CBS 17. I, I would agree that the original owner gets um, gets the cat. Uh, that's the kind of the way it goes. You got to do. You got to be diligent with it, right? You can't. I think that's the rule. Life rules here on the shift. That's what we do. Are you okay with snakes? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to own one. I think they're cool. I, 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 snake people are really interesting. Like people who love reptiles, like the expos. There's one in like every town, uh, but uh, they don't scare me. They don't scare me. Although I've never encountered a snake in the wild before. So I feel like I can't really give an answer on if I'd be scared or not until I. In the happens, wild. Which hopefully. I've never doesn't. seen one in the wild. I've seen one in the grass where, you know, you're walking along and you see one go slithering by in the grass. And that's the thing you know, about snakes, snakes is they come out of nowhere and they're slippery and they, they disappear and they move quick. So that's. But aside from that, touching them is kind of weird. I have no desire to touch a snake. They don't creep me out. I find them kind of gross, I guess. But an Arizona family called some snake wranglers to their property for some help. The family found three rattlesnakes in their garage. But then there was more than three. Is there anything I can do to help you? Uh, Nope, you're good. I'm just going to gather everyone up. Oh, that's all. 20, by the way, more. was not three. The number was 20 rattlesnakes. When Rattlesnake Solutions came to help, they found those three and 17 more, 20 in all, most coiled up by that water heater. Oh, seeking a little shelter in your garage. No harm, no foul. Wrong again. Snake Wrangler picked them up with tongs, safely relocating them to a desert habitat. Oh, that's nice. CBS 5, Rattlesnake Solutions owner Brian Hughes said it was a new record for the most rattlesnakes removed in a single call. He said the skin sheds in the garage indicate that at one point there may have been up to 40 snakes in the garage at a single time. See, that's the problem with snakes. Where did the other 20 snakes go? They don't know. They don't know. That's scary. I don't know. I don't need to know. If you're about to go to bed, I would like to apologize for this conversation that may affect your dreams. Blame Ryan. (laughs) 
I don't know. That's not okay. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.